Before today's show officially begins, I have a very important announcement. And that is, we've got coffee, we've got coffee, we've got lots and lots of coffee. Yes, all you alcoholics out there, all you neurotic maniacs, we've got coffee through Anarcho Coffee, a libertarian coffee company. It's called Morning Roar, named after our long defunct morning edition of articles we used to write on lionsofliberty.com. But now it's just a sweet ass coffee that you can wake yourself up with, be roaring for the day of liberty. You can find it at lionsofliberty.com forward slash coffee. Order some today. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. All right, everybody, welcome to Electric Liberty Land episode number 127. And this is a very special episode wherein we will be drinking liquor. In fact, libertarians will join me in drinking liquor in living rooms, although I think only one of us is technically in a living room at the moment. I think it's just the first man I will introduce here, which is the one and only Mike Brancatelli from Mike Adelic Podcast. Mikey. Mikey, Mikey Spots, what are you doing? <laughs> I actually am in a living room, and I'm drinking a nice double IPA. They got good beer out here in Denver, and that's why I moved here. No, it's the one and only reason. That's why nobody moves there from the mountains. They don't move for the sunsets. They don't move for the uh, the drugs. They definitely don't yeah, move they, for the women. A lot of mountains. They got it all wrong. You know? women, right? They thought I was going to be moving here for the cannabis and move for the beer. <laughs> the old bait and switch. All right. And also, in addition to Mike, I am joined by Lance Psycho, the strangest name I've ever heard. Am the strangest name you've ever heard. And it is amazing. It is amazing. And of course, Lance is uh, is the communications director for the Libertarian Party of Colorado and was integrally involved with uh, the legalization efforts for the uh, legalization of psilo... I'll say this wrong. Help me here, people. You've got, you're both far more involved in this than I am. Psilocybin? Decriminal, yeah, decriminalization of psilocybin. Bingo, baby. So Lance was involved with that pretty heavily. Even quoted and even mentioned in a Vice article, uh, one of the most... God, talk about just a shameful fall, fall from graces. Vice magazine, by the way. It used to be fantastic, and now it's a liberal shill publication. But still, good you were in it. So... Gentlemen, welcome to Electric Liberty Land. Thanks for having us. Good to be here, Brian. All right. So, uh, as you said, you know, Mike already said he's drinking a double IPA. I saw it's a big boy can. Lance, I got a glimpse of what you were drinking. What What do you have in your hand? I have baby. I'm drinking baby uh, seven ounce uh, Corona Extras. Now, can I ask why? Because the only time I've ever drank one of those in my life was when I was on a beach in a tropical island. And that was, I think, halfway to fuck the tourists into paying full price for a seven-ounce beer. I think that's a lot of it. But number two, they say it's because it got hot so quickly. So you had to have a little beer. Is it is it blazing hot in your Colorado house right now? Is your hand very hot, hot today? Yep, yep. We're very close to the sun, Brian. I don't know if you know that. We're <laughs> 5,280 feet in the air. It is it is hot here. It's very hot. Is- I'm working construction, man. I just yeah. felt, like, I felt like some tiny little beers that I could just crush today, so... I like it. It makes you feel like a man. Yeah, sure. <laughs> also, I got to ask this. So Mike just moved to ja- in January to Denver. And uh, Mike, elevation sickness. Is it a thing or altitude sickness? Have you experienced it? Is it real? Because I think people make it up that are just pussies. <laughs> yeah, I, I, again, I, you know, I just think it's another myth coming from the Democrats. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> They're just trying to ruin everything, you know? 
<laughs> if they can't if they can't ruin our air they'll ruin our elevation all right well <laughs> gentlemen we are here uh drinking oh and i'm drinking a martini which um for those not in the know i'm going to share this whole video to our pride group uh you know anybody paying ten dollars or more gets the video so they're going to see me knocking over my full martini which now has approximately 30 percent left of this delicious dirty martini i made but uh yeah we are uh, we're gonna kick into it here and I wanted to have both you guys on. I feel it's just a perfect time because, you know, Denver has just decriminalized psilocybin and, uh, and the use of mushrooms, which have numerous benefits. And we could talk about that. Uh, but, you know, Lance, you just brought it to my attention that this, this uh, legalization may be very short-lived because is it literally today that they're going to have this, this vote on a, a runoff for the mayor? Well, here's how I uh, usually do interviews and podcasts, and I prepare for them about a half hour before, just like this one, right? Well, so did I. Don't worry. Like a true degenerate <laughs> libertarian. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but it was, it was news to me, too. So there's a runoff election because of the margin. Um, the mar- if, the, if, the, if neither candidate for running for mayor in Denver gets less than 50%, then, then it goes into a runoff election with the top two uh, vote earners. So there, uh, the De- mayor Hancock is going for re-election, and if he gets re-elected, he he's indicated that he'll stomp out Denver mushrooms if re-elected, which is a total bummer. And it was because he he was visited by uh, one of the mayors or something like that from over over in Amsterdam, and he basically said, uh, "You need to, do, you know, you did one thing with decriminal or you know with legalizing marijuana." And cannabis, um, but if you go, if you keep going further, then you're going to be the drug capital of the world. But I got to tell you, when I have people come in from out of town, <clears throat> they already know what they're coming here for. They're going to go to a pot shop. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to go get drink beer. Uh, everybody knows what, what what it's all about, and the tourism has been pretty incredible. So, well, I'm disappointed. Uh, number one, that you said that the mayor was visited, and then you had a, a pregnant pause, and I thought you're going to be like from three ghosts <laughs> the three ghosts of, of mushroom trips past you know like at one ghost he's showing him his past where he was a teenager and then a present ghost where he's just you know vomiting <laughs> in the bush but loving it um yeah that's fucking crazy well also i mean amsterdam was so the i i is it just me or do you think that the guy coming from amsterdam the mayor of amsterdam is there uh talking him out of legalizing mushrooms because he doesn't want to fucking lose the tourism from people going to Amsterdam as a drug capital. Is anybody yeah. seeing a nefarious second motive here that this guy might have? Yeah. yeah. Well I, that's that's probably a that's a really good point. I don't think there's anything wrong with that kind of speculation. I think that's probably spot on because our population growth has been through the roof since we since Amendment 64 passed. It was already going up as it as it as it was, but it's the climate is beautiful here. We have we have beer, we have mountains, and then we have legal weed. So people want to be here. It's it's the place to be. You know, the, the shitty thing is, is that it's, it's turning awfully blue really quick. Yeah. Um, you know, and part of my other activism is gun rights. And we've just been fighting this massive wave of Democrats trying to pass. Well, they did pass the red flag bill, which was really horrible. Yeah. And, now you, and so now you have these these rural areas versus these urban areas. And everybody feels like Denver and Boulder have kind of. Now, and just to clarify, when you're saying, when you talk about the red flag laws, you're talking about uh, this is the law where you can you can basically flag somebody that you think is suspicious or dangerous of, and then they get checked out and they have, make you have to go with their firearm, right? Yep. In Colorado, <clears throat> Colorado passed the worst one in the nation by far because a petitioner can petition to have your firearms taken away out of state. 
And they only need to be, uh, it says you need to be a family member, but here's how loose the family member can be. It can be some a, a, a girl or a guy that you dated within the last six months and you resigned. Are you fucking kidding me? I am not Talk kidding. About the sp- I mean, I can imagine right now. Uh, Mike, do you own a gun? Uh, I don't, but uh, I've shot guns. I like guns, and my brother has a lot of guns. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna say, well, you probably don't have a gun right now because somebody you dated before has already reported you. A former girlfriend reported you. Take it away. The I mean, that's highly likely. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of highly, are you eating mushrooms right now? <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was um, libertarians in living rooms eating mushrooms. So. <laughs> I'm proud of you, man. Lance, are you, uh, Lance just came for work, so he's probably probably at this point fairly. Uh, fairly straight, but uh, no, it's, it's insane. I mean, this is one of the things that just boggles your mind that a law like that can pass where they're like, anybody you've dated, the sheer spite. I mean, people do far crazier things. If you can easily just, I mean, look at people getting swatted for playing video games against, you know, teenagers and they get pissed off because you killed them too many times. They call a SWAT team to your house and you get shot to death. You don't think that somebody you dated for a year and then dumped on his or her ass out of the blue isn't going to be like, guess what, bitch? I'm going to take your fucking guns away. Everybody is dating a crazy bitch, right? Yeah. I mean, sorry, that's that that's the problem with it. I have an ex-wife and she's insane. Yeah. You know? She's I would imagine leaving Thank- a hunk like you. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, she's very pro-Second Amendment. I don't think she would do that. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's other people who aren't as fortunate as that, and that's that's been the issue. I actually went down and spoke at the at the at the last Senate committee hearing. Um a bunch of a bunch of libertarians and, and Republicans went down and spoke about it. And it only passed by one vote. We think we almost we almost defeated the whole thing, and then the backlash has been actually really incredible. So over over half of the counties in Colorado have declared themselves as Second Amendment sanctuary counties, nice. so they won't they won't enforce the red flag law because <clears throat> what happens is you have to send you have to send a, a SWAT team into the house to go get all of the guns, and the cost to do that to send a SWAT team is ten thousand dollars at a time. So what these what these local police departments are claiming is that it's a hardship, and it really is a hardship. They they don't have the storage, and they don't have they're already underfunded as it is. So they're saying we're first of I all. I reject that premise that any police department is underfunded. Just put that there right yeah, now. They'll, they'll, they'll say that. Yeah. Well, they sell some of their Humvees, right? I thought they were going to say that they it's like they, like oh we need mo- far more money. It's like a fundraising tool for them to you know use these SWAT teams and then bill the taxpayers back. But anyway, good. Yeah. Yeah, so actually, and last night, we actually went down, we caught wind of Adams County, or not, uh, Commerce City, which is in Adams County, uh, their, their city council was, was going to pass a resolution for Commerce City to be a Second, a second Amendment Sanctuary City. So Leslie Holly would have found you Rally for Our Rights, shout out to her, she's been awesome. Uh, me and her and a, and a bunch of other members from Rally for Our Rights went down there and spoke impromptu, and we outnumbered Moms Demand Action, who are just our arch nemesis. They're just horrible. They're, 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 they're Bloomberg whores is what they really are. <laughs> they're awful. And so we actually, we outnumbered them about uh, 12 to 3, and then they passed it 5 to 2. So we, we are getting, like, small victories to happen. And what I really love about the whole thing is that, as a libertarian, I really want secession to happen in America. I would love it if we just started breaking apart because that's the best way to get down to a minimal government. Yep. And I think this is the way it's going to, this is one of the ways it's going to happen. Even it, 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 all we're doing is piggybacking off of the Democrats in their sanctuary cities for, for illegal immigrants. Yeah. And I do like that. I kind of like that pivot. I also, I, I have to say, you know, from a trolling perspective, Trump, I, I really, I liked what he was doing when he first came into office. Now I've grown 
very quickly apart from him. And, and now I hate more of what he does. But I have to say, from a trolling perspective, the fact that he was like, you know, they had like the immigrant sanctuary cities. And he's like, all right, we're going to send you all our immigrants. And they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it was fucking hilarious. Uh, so, so, you know, Lance, you're involved with the Libertarian Party here. So you're making outreach specifically. But, Mike, you're just hanging, hanging loose, doing, uh, doing your thing, enjoying uh, psychedelics and talking to people, man, on the street. So I'm wondering, what have you seen? You know, do you even have to leave your house? To, do you have to go out of state to find anybody for your podcast? Or can you just walk down the street now and talk to anybody? And they're like, yeah, come on, Doug. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, 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 you know, I've been getting a lot of guests, almost too many to handle. I need to kind of take a break. But uh, yeah, actually, um, it's been great. You know, and and I, I love doing it uh, very much. But um, yeah, I mean, I feel very passionately about these things that we're talking about here. You know, cannabis, uh, psilocybin, guns. You know, I really think that for me, I, you know, I could get, I can get all this stuff in New York where I lived. It's not a problem. You know what I mean? This is something that a lot of people and mainly Democrats don't understand is that if you want something, you can get it. Anybody can get it. This is what, this is what black markets are. Uh, but I, I moved to Colorado because I, I think Colorado represents freedom. You know, it represents people. The people have the right to petition the government to change laws. I mean, first of all, I think democracy sucks. But, you know, I mean, but, you know, it's, it's, I move here because of the freedom, you know, nature and, and all that stuff. So it really, and with psilocybin specifically, just to kind of, you know, change a little bit from the gun talk, but I can get back to that. Um, you know, they talk about set and setting a lot with psychedelics, you know, being in the mindset and being in the right setting, which is very important. And I think that even, you know, even that I can get, uh, psilocybin mushrooms in New York, there's still that kind of like, little tinge of fear in the back of my mind yeah, that maybe like a swap your whole experience <laughs> yeah maybe it'll you know i could go so here it's like okay cool i can go to the cannabis shop and buy you know weed like an adult i can put on a pair of pants walk to the cannabis shop you know if it's, buy, I mean, if it's a weekday yeah buy, <laughs> and that and that's just really i mean that's really the biggest thing that I stand for is freedom and cognitive liberty, the right for people to own their own consciousness and own themselves. And I like to talk to people like that on my podcast and yeah. talking about the well, core of freedom. Yeah. I, th I like that. I mean, and, and cognitive liberty is something that I want to get into a little bit later because I sent you guys some other stories, you know, we're talking about uh, first and foremost, uh, you know, psilocybin and the legalization of that and the different effects of it. Um, but also I want to talk about cognitive liberty because I like that concept, I like the phrase, I like, and I like the, the whole idea of it, of owning your mind and owning, you know, everything you do with that mind and your consciousness, because I think that cognitive liberty is a phrase that should echo more, more thoroughly throughout culture right now, especially from a libertarian perspective, like trying to engage with people, talk with them, uh, win converts to our side and our way of thinking of freedom. Uh, the first thing is, breaking people's mindsets and the way that they're that they're raised the way that they're they see the world where they're just they have these blinders on so i want to circle back with cognitive liberty when these later stories we talk about john cleese and uh and meryl streep but you know i had on a, a while ago um you know my buddy matt neal who worked with maps uh, you guys are probably familiar with them and i'm mm -hmm. blanking on the the association's name but basically you know they they advocate for alternative treatments for a lot all sorts of medical issues ranging from uh, MDA to or MDMA to, to psilocybin to ketamine and and you were just I, the thing that is so frustrating is we're finally seeing the breakthrough with marijuana right where they say this is not a danger it is a, a benefit the FDA even says psilocybin is a benefit for treating depression say through with ketamine yeah so breakthrough therapy yeah breakthrough therapy and you go okay you've got all the science on the side now you've got 
culturally people won over by it. And I, and I also want to talk about that and see what you guys think. Do you think that adoption in mainstream film uh, and entertainment and, and people being more open about doing psychedelics has helped make this possible? But I, it just drives me nuts when you see that, like this Mayor Hancock driving Hancocks. You know, Herbie Herbie Hancock? I think it's Hancock, yeah. Han- Hancock. <laughs> Good old Hancock. Uh, so, but you see this guy fighting against the tooth and nail. So, I mean, whoever wants to speak, this is LALDL, so I'm not going to pick one of you, but pick one of those things I just said and, and talk about. And dead silence. <laughs> this, is why, this is why I'm the best host on the well, Mike, you Mike, you live in Denver, right? Yes, I do. I feel like you have a more uh, on-the-pulse take on that. Uh, what was the question, Brian? Uh, there were many. I, I think it's more of a long statement. Okay, now I'll lay it out in more of a question format. Okay, do you think, number one, entertainment has had any impact? Like, you look at sh- at uh, movies like um, uh, Neighbors and I think Neighbors 2 and, and, you know, basically every Seth Rogen movie he's made in the last 20 years has some sort of mushrooms in it. But it just seems that it's become more of a, a thing that's accepted in popular culture. It's thrown out there as a, it's not a bad thing to do. We accept it and we do it. Combined with the science agreeing with it, do you think that has made it possible to get to this point? And what do you think of these assholes who still oppose it? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think definitely more people coming out, you know, coming out of the psychedelic closet, as they say, just coming out and talking about it helps. It definitely helps. Culture, uh, you know, it definitely helps having it in the culture, having it in movies, in music. You know, there's the festival scene has grown over the over the last like decade so that has really helped as well and you know a lot of people you know take these things and they go oh my god i had so much fun you know majority of people aren't you know researchers at johns hopkins or you know at uh, institutes like the beckley foundation or these other places that are doing scientific studies maps you know multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies doing the mdma treatment for veterans most people aren't doing that most people are just getting something and taking it and going to a concert or show and having fun. And that's the way it's been for a long time. So I think people kind of now that I think the internet has connected everybody and we're able to kind of see everything and people can find this information and they can realize like, yeah, it's not really that big of a deal. You know, it's yeah. really, it's not that well, big of a deal. So I think, well, it, I think it helps a lot. Let me ask you this. Uh, and uh, there's something, so I, I'll be honest, like I did mushrooms back in college, right. And just did them like once or twice. Then I did them in Vegas once, I evened nice. that out with a different drug, which I probably shouldn't have done. But I was, but it's because I was scared at the time. I was like, I was like, I'm in Vegas. I don't know where my surroundings. I don't want to trip too hard. I don't know. And like, I had this different conception of what mushrooms did and are. And then I did them more recently with my sister in New York because you can easily get them, as you said, right? <laughs> and I had a, a wonderful time and uh, uh, came to have a, a much better perception of what mushrooms are and the effects they have. Do you think that? the remaining people that object to these kind of things, do you guys feel that this is because there's a, a, a lack of education? And obviously the government and all these propaganda videos made in the seventies of people jumping out fucking windows and shit don't help. But do you think that a lack of education as to what the rese- what, what the actual impact of mushrooms is, what the actual uh, feeling your body, the psychic uh, impact, do you think this is a lot to do with the resistance that you see? Real, real- I want to say something, and then I think Lance wants to say something. So I, 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 I think that, you know, we brought up this thing about the mayor of Amsterdam talking to uh, the mayor here in Denver, and they uh, had psilocybin mushrooms were legal there, but now you can only get truffles. So you can't actually get mushrooms. They made it illegal because a teenage girl 
killed herself. I think she jumped out of a window. Or of something. course, one girl, right? So, exactly. So this yeah. is the the fear, you know, like. Uh, I remember reading this great book. I forget what the name of it was, um, but they were talking about the movie Jaws. How the movie Jaws inspired, like it, it created. Oh, so I know the book. It's a uh, Jaws, the book Heath. written about the movie Jaws. No, Jaws <laughs> the novel. Book. Jaws the novel, Mike. Yeah, How many the mushrooms novel. have you eaten? It's Jaws the novel. Jaws the novel, far better than the movie, by the way. Uh, Sorry, Richard Dreyfus narrates on audiobook. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, so th- yeah, they were talking about how this movie created a lot of fear because but realistically shark attacks don't happen that frequently you know it, but the movie created so much yeah. fear that people weren't going in the ocean all this stuff so one person you know dies and it's like everybody else has to be held responsible for one yeah. shitty person's decision like bill hicks says hey we're just thinning out the herd you know if you kill yourself you know listen to a, a rock album or take inside it, it's your that's your fault i don't know what to tell you you know yeah. we shouldn't be punished for that I think it's two different types of people, right? <clears throat> so there's the politicians who want to get reelected. And Mayor Hancock saw, I think it was in, in Initiative 300. Was it the one where the homeless, we were going to uh, decriminalize, you could just camp anywhere you wanted in Denver? Yeah, the, ca- the camping ba- uh, ban. Was- yeah, and that one, that one, that was at the same, that was, so this, that was during this last May election with alongside 301, which was the decriminalization of psilocybin. That, 300 failed by 70, by it was 75 to 75% to 25%. So to me, that showed that there was, even though Denver is very blue, there's still a very, there's still just a, a natural conservativeness there, right? I mean, there's still a lot of families there. And they they just, know, we don't want to see property homes. rights. Yeah. You don't want people camping in front of your fucking house. I mean, you see it in LA happening all over the place. And right. And they, and they see what's going on in LA and they see what's going on in San Francisco, especially with the poop patrol. And they, yeah. because, because the election before that, they said they they said you could you can you won't you won't get uh, you just get a ticket if you get uh, if you piss or shit on right. Right. Yeah. Denver right yeah so they see the San Francisco inization of of Denver so I think the politicians I, if, if I had to guess it would be Hancock saying okay I'm not going to get reelected if I if I come out and say I'm I'm for psilocybin mushrooms he could flip politicians are horrible people true <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and then there's the citizen side of it so because of because of the crowds I hang out with with all the gun rights stuff, well, a lot of them are Republicans and they're very, very socially conservative. Mm. So when 301 passed, <clears throat> I got a lot of flack from my Republican friends because they were just, they just said, look, you're just going to Californicate Colorado further by doing this. And they actually do have a good point with that because we do have a lot of blue voters coming in because of that. It, you know, they, 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 they're not yellow voters. Like I wish they were libertarians where they go, we're going to, it's all about your personal rights. Yeah along the state out of it but See, i wonder though if it's if it's purely based upon people that are like okay we're drug travelers right uh, or i i mean i think a lot of you thinks that that's also just because the the, the real blue states around and Denver's not so far from la you know like sandy and my my wife and i have talked about okay before we bought a house here uh shit maybe we should move to denver and it was because it was affordable uh you know reasonably affordable beautiful and not too far and I think that a lot of people might be looking at it that way too. It's just the affordability of, you know, as we look at our states implode, uh, people are moving there that are just ultra progressive assholes because it's affordable and it's close. Like Oregon, same thing. Washington, same thing. So I wonder if that's a part of it as well. I mean, the problem still exists where the, your, your state's going down the shit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I think that's the resistance. In my, in my world, I think that's the resistance to it, yeah. you know, all day long. It's just, 
and I, I kind of feel that way. You know, after 64, I mean, I'm telling you, yeah, the, the state, the first time that this state has flipped back to blue has been since 1936. It was, it was the last time all three branches were blue. And I mean, the whole thing is completely blue. And they ran as many things as they could through. We almost had the rent control ban um, unbanned. Which is oh, that would be beautiful. <laughs> oh. As a developer, I just, I, I was about to puke. And my wife, my wife is a real estate uh, guru and she owns a bunch of properties. And I was like, do you see? And she's kind of an independent lady. You know, she just she didn't get too much into politics, but I'm, yeah. I'm trying to steer her over to the, to the right side of things and be like, look, you gotta, we gotta clap back. at these." Yeah. Things. That's one of the best, I mean, that's one of the best ways to win somebody over, especially in real estate. I mean, God, as you as a developer, man, I, I, uh, I'm not a developer of course, but having read a, a numerous pieces, uh, and argued the, the point here in LA to my lungs are blue. I am blue in the face. Yeah. It's just one of the stupidest things. The rent control concept is idiotic. It's proven not to work and fail everywhere. It's been tried again and again and again. It's just, it's maddening. Absolutely maddening. Well, so let's just talk real quick because, you know, I, people that listen to the show, they, they're a wide range. So they may not know some of the benefits of using psilocybin. Uh, and we can talk a little bit about ketamine and MBMA too, if you're interested. But, you know, some of the things that I know as far as ketamine is like I have a buddy who's a quadriplegic, helps him with all sorts of pain, helps him get around. And, it, and, and surprising because it's such a, a tranquilizer, but it just, I guess, puts you in that kind of deep state of relaxation. MDMA, amazing. It's like for treating depression. I've read about microdosing. I've read about macrodosing where people are put under extreme amounts of MDMA and have these amazing breakthroughs with childhood trauma and all this other shit. But I don't know that much about psilocybin and depression. So if anybody wants to educate me, I'm very curious to know. Mike? Sure, yeah. I mean, like you said before, the FDA granted uh, psilocybin mushrooms breakthrough therapy status. Johns Hopkins University, New York University, Imperial College of London. These are very prestigious groups that are doing really amazing work studying the effects of, of psilocybin. So right there, you know, it's that there is something. And I think the Johns Hopkins study, uh, 80% of the participants said that it was the most profound experience they've ever had in their life. Um, and, you know, so I, I take psilocybin like a lot. And uh, during this podcast, it, for example, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not eating it right now. I'm just enjoying a nice beer and some almonds. <laughs> but uh, but no, it, it's it's definitely you know microdosing. I think it was um, it was uh, Albert Hoffman, the inventor of uh, LSD, who said that uh, it would have been prescribed like. Adderall is prescribed had it not been so harshly scheduled. So, you know, just like we see with the cannabis plant, with hemp and with all these things, with psilocybin, with mushrooms, with, L, you know, with a lot of these substances, there's so many uses for them uh, to, to be had, whether it's anxiety or PTSD. You know, there's a great group here in Denver called the Veterans for Natural Rights, led by uh, Matt Kale and a couple other people. And, um, you know, they, 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 they really are advocates for these natural, these natural plants and fungi that grow from the ground, you know? So it's like, you know, it's got the help they need to overcome their PTSD. For me personally, it, what it really does is it, it brings you into such a, a place of beauty and awe that can't be like denied. It also makes you confront yourself, your truest self at your deepest level where you can't, you know, you can't hide anything from, from that. You know, so if you're not into doing that, I would recommend not doing it. I remember I had Thaddeus Russell on my podcast and he was like, 
yeah, I tried mushrooms once. Scared the hell out of me. <laughs> really didn't like it. I was like, yeah, man, you got some demons. I don't know, you know, <laughs> that it can, if, you're, if you're unwilling to look at yourself deeply, then yeah. you probably won't get too much healing from it. But it has a very profound uh, effect on a lot of people. Um, it creates neurogenesis in the brains. It creates new neural pathways. Basically, what happens is That's interesting. It quiet. There's this thing in the brain called the default mode network, and um, the default mode network essentially is like the the manager of the brain. It kind of is like, okay, you know, you go here, you go here. Everybody's doing their job efficiently and effectively. When you take psilocybin, that default mode network quiets down. So there's different parts of the brain that are able to talk to each other. New neural pathways are, are connecting, you know, and um, that's why people sometimes say that they can see sounds or hear colors, anesthesia, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't want to be in that state all the time, but uh, this was something that was given to Stanford uh, scientists, researchers, and, and engineers before it was criminalized in 1964 uh, and uh, to solve complex problems. And it, they did. I mean, so it's great for creativity, depression, PTSD, That's anxiety, a whole host of things. Oh, totally. Well, it's like a buddy of mine. It's, it's interesting because the neural path through things and, and letting different ideas communicate, different areas of the brain communicate, sparking creativity. So a buddy of mine, um, Jake Weissman, who's on the podcast, <laughs> drew, drew uh, varying reviews because he's very left, but at least the guy that's willing to, to talk and, and have a discussion. Um, but he, he uh, created that show, Corporate, that's on Comedy Central, and I had him on the show, and he was saying that while they were doing the writing, they were just, he's like, yeah, we did a lot of mushrooms, man. Because yeah. it just really, <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like, I was like, what? Because I can't imagine writing on it, but it's because of what you're saying. Like it, it opened up the pathways. It allowed them to see different ways, different way of thinking, allowed them to address because corporate, a lot of it is also kind of the dealing with the depression of everyday life and, you know, identifying who you are, identifying a, as a corporate shill or not. And, you know, so it's like, it really was fascinating to hear though, doing that writing process. And from a you know, comedy standpoint, I think, Oh my God. God yeah. If you could, I mean, you could just unlock uh, enormous potential with all comedians. I got to start doing mushrooms on the regular. And I actually plan to, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> all like you know, all great art is in some way or other is uh, affected by some sort of altered state of consciousness. I think yeah. you know, uh, Steve Jobs said taking LSD was one of the most important things he's ever done in his life. The guy Francis Crick, who discovered the DNA double helix, said that he he did it with LSD. So you know, and mushrooms played a huge role in opening up a lot of people's minds as well. Uh, I don't have any specific examples at this particular moment but they, <laughs> all right you know psychedelics in general are very helpful uh in unlocking a lot of uh creativity in people yeah uh, i can sit oh, go ahead, Lance. didn't steve jobs actually ask uh, uh multiple people when he interviewed them if they had done lsd and then if they said no he would just not hire them? <laughs> i think yeah, i think uh, Dude, that's yeah. such a, that's such an unfair question i, well, I guess it's an <laughs> honesty test right because yeah, like, yeah. uh, no steve you couldn't do that now in the Me Too era, but whatever. Yeah, right. No shit. He's like, oh, you do LSD? All right, baby. Let's go party. It's like the fucking the All right. animal house smoking pot with the kids. They're going to fuck in the bathtub later. Um, <laughs> Lance, by the way, how many of those little baby beers have you drank? Oh, I'm on my fourth. You, you just saw me drink one. Now I'm on my fourth, actually. All right, I'm Lance. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I wanted to check in on that. All right. Tell you what, guys. I, let's, let's finish up the conversation about uh, psilocybin. And then I'm going to take a quick break wherein I'm going to pour myself more martini. Then we're going to come back and delve into the cognitive liberty conversation and some current event stuff. So uh, anything more to add to this conversation about what's going on, the future 
of decriminalization? Do you think this is, do you think mushrooms are going to be a step towards kind of like the dominoes falling in regards to legalization of, of uh, mushrooms or legalization of other hard drugs? Like we look to Portugal, for example, who's seen their crime rate, their overdose rate drop, and they legalized everything. It's become a fucking utopia compared to the way it used to be. So yeah. thoughts, gentlemen. Well, Oakland, Oakland, the Oakland City Council is taking it up right now that they might decriminalize psilocybin. Right. So I think it's I think it's spreading. It's the sort of the same reflection of Amendment 64 of Colorado when Colorado passed it first and legalized marijuana. And then Oregon was right behind us. And then the, in the next election cycle, a bunch of other uh, states did it. North Dakota quietly decriminalized this last year, just in a legislative. It was oh, in, interesting. Yeah. in a legislative ballot. Or not, not a ballot, sorry, legislative action for the state house, and then it got eventually got signed by the governor. Um, they, they basically you can have a, a half ounce or less, which my dad is very happy about. Um, <laughs> not he'll just get a ticket, and he won't be he won't get a misdemeanor or a felony or anything like that. Yeah, I, I hope it's spreading, man. I, it would be great because I'll tell you what one of the one of the other complaints is too is that people are tired of people moving to Colorado. And that's one of the results is we, we, we right. legalize first and it's like, okay, everybody else, you guys also need to get out, get your shit together because we're, we got enough Californians here. I'm talking to you, Brian. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I'm not coming to you, scumbag. I bought a house here, which is already almost worth a million dollars because the real estate market <laughs> is insane. Don't ask when I paid yeah. for way too much. So well, the, the, good, the good thing about that is that the uh, members of the uh, psilocybin initiative here in Denver are actually working together with the decriminalized California people who have their own initiative and the decriminalized Oakland people I just had on my podcast, Larry and uh, Carlos, it's uh, decriminalized nature. So it's going to be all natural uh, products like ayahuasca, boga, um, and psilocybin. Yeah. Love that. Cause it's like anything you can goddamn grow should not be illegal. Even, even, I mean, obviously I, I, I think everything should be legal, but you right. know, it's like if you grow fucking coca leaves uh, in your house and you want to do whatever the fuck you want to do with your coca leaves, you grow out of the ground. That's your business. It grew. Coca, it's natural. Coca it's not- very good for high elevation, by the way. I hiked Andes mountains last year and all I did was chew on coca leaves the whole <laughs> way up. Had no problem. 17,000 feet up. Did you grow them or were you able to order them? Oh, no, was, I got them in the Andes. I was in Peru. Oh, yeah. in the Andes. Sorry, I, my, uh, yeah. Yeah. I already spilled half martini. I, I, had a buddy, <laughs> I had a buddy who, lived in, who lives in Pennsylvania who, um, and obviously I won't say his name on a public broadcast, but he, had, he was able to obtain coca leaves, actual leaves, and made his own whatever you want to do with coca leaves. Oh. Uh, yeah, so I was curious. I'm like, can you buy them in bulk somehow? You know, I, I don't know. Maybe he used the dark web to do it. Maybe before Ross Ulbricht went to jail, uh, sadly, he was able to hook him up. I just don't know. Yeah, yeah, that could be. I had a buddy. I won't name who his name is, but in, uh, <laughs> in North Dakota, he bought the root that you that is the the key to make DMT, and oh, he nice. made some really dank DMT. It was fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, on that happy note, let's take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back after this quick message, and we'll uh, be back with Mike Brancatelli and Lance Psycho guys. So stay tuned. Be back in thirty. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. I want to recommend Conversation Mat Time to our listeners as a way to hone your one-on-one conversation skills in a role-playing session that can help take you to the next level. 
During 25-minute sessions, you'll work through the best way to approach that raise, that interview, or that relationship with a practice professional that will provide the confidence and experience you need to get paid what you're worth or take that interpersonal risk you've never been able to conquer. Just like in jiu-jitsu, the difference between a novice and a black belt is mat time. Train to win. Visit conversationmattime.com and take advantage of a free 15-minute consultation just for listeners of this show. All right, we are back with Electric Liberty Land, episode number 127. I am joined here once again with Lance Psycho. He is uh, out in Denver, not in Denver, you're not in Denver, you're in Colorado. Are you in Boulder? Boulder County. Boulder County. He is the heading up the communications for the Libertarian Party of Denver, and a man who, as I said earlier, uh, was very involved with not only Second Rights or Second Amendment Rights Movement. Sorry, I've had a martini at this point. Second Amendment Rights and also the legalization of uh, psilocybin, for now. We'll see how it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, of course, I'm joined with Mike Bracatelli of the Mike Adelic Podcast. So, gentlemen, we are back. People missed us for that 30 seconds, but we are here now. And as I said earlier, I want to get into a little bit of the idea of cognitive liberty. Because I am just, I think this is something that we as libertarians uh, or voluntarists, however you want to view yourself, need to talk more about this and need to view this as a way forward and a way to, to attack both the right and the left, mostly, mostly the left. I find <laughs> they're, they're far more difficult to win over. But, you know, I just think of just this basic psychedelics today definition. Uh, the right to mental self-determination, freedom of an individual to control his or own mental processes, cognition, and consciousness, and basically, essentially, a, a conduit to the freedom of thought. And we see such unbelievable resistance today. And when we try to talk to anybody about anything, even if all of the facts are on your side, even if all of the statistics are on your side, even if just the basic moral principles are on your side, it's very difficult to reach certain people. And this concept of cognitive liberty, allowing people or finding ways to free up people's consciousness seems to be the key to opening up any number of opportunities for forwarding the libertarian way of thinking. So, you're not prepared for this. With that in mind, what do you think is the best way to do that? I think you got to find people that are that have got fucked over by the state. It's that simple to me, and you have to be there for when they're ready to to turn on the liberty. Right? Um, I don't think you can go up and yell taxation is theft at somebody. I agree. I agree completely. I want. I love. I love doing it. I wear my shirt all the time, and, and I get into great conversations with people. And I get them to think and everything like that. But, but at the end of the day, they have to be screwed over by the state. I brought up my wife earlier in the podcast with rent control. Mm-hmm. And that was, one really, that was one thing that really turned her on to that. And we, we, you know, we're considering being big donors at the end of the year for Young Americans for Liberty because they go and knock doors and you know, they, 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 yeah. they get libertarian Republicans elected. So you know, that's a little dirty. But at the end of the day, that's better than you know, a dirty yeah. Democratic Socialist. Yeah, that's true. Mike, what do you what do you think? I mean, yeah. I mean, you, we live in America. I think everybody should be a libertarian. That's that was the the principles that we were founded on. You know, the states one of the reasons why I moved to Colorado is because, yeah, the state's laws here are a little bit different, right? So the states were supposed to be these individual things and the the government was just like higher by the states to be like yeah. a third party arbitrator. Obviously, this has grown into such a massive global leviathan. It's consuming everybody's 
you know, everything. I mean, it's consuming everybody's minds. Mm -hmm. Just the, you know, the sheer amount of propaganda that is on repetition on cable news, where even if you don't watch cable news, it's on somewhere at your office or a doctor's office or wherever you go, you know, everybody's paying attention to what's the latest thing, what's going on. I mean, it's all, it's, it's, it's bullshit. The thing that matters the most is you, you know, what's going on in your head, your mind, your body, your soul. And that's, it's really one of the most important things, you know, and nobody should have the right to legislate that or mediate that or interpret that for you. And, uh, you know, I think that really getting into face-to-face human connections with people um, and just asking people questions, like Lance said, you know, there's everybody's been fucked by the state. Everybody that's breathing in America or the world for that matter has been fucked over by the state. You know, for the last 10,000 years, people have been getting fucked over the state in one way or another. So it's just about finding what that is and then asking people questions. You know, what do you think about that? What, what, what about this? What about that? Well, if you're for this, would you be for that? You know, and, and just seeing where that conversation goes. You might not change someone's mind in the first try, but be the seventh try, maybe the eighth try. Maybe, maybe they hear it from somebody else in a different way and they're able to relate to it. So yeah. uh, that's what I think. Just keep having conversations with people. Hold time out. Get out of here, Lance's wife. <laughs> you know what I've been thinking about doing? This this blows my mind about my about a lot of our clients. Uh, so I, I have an I, in addition to doing real estate development, then I'm also an architect. We have an architecture firm, oh, and nice. and we so so all of my clients have to go through the planning and zoning process, the building the building department process. Oh, that's a good way and, to win them over. Oh my God, the land <laughs> the it's a historical landmark bullshit process, right? Where somebody <laughs> got to replace the so. shingles exactly like this. And they all, I can all tell that they, that at certain points, they hate the government. I've been thinking about buying a ton of copies of For a New Liberty by Murray Rothbard. <laughs> Just, yes. And, and then giving them as a gift at the end. Yeah, like a thank you gift. Yeah, yeah. as a thank you gift and saying, hey, if, if, you, if you felt frustration in going through the building process, here's a book that might enlighten you a little bit more. Take yeah. it or leave it. It's just, it just a gift to you. And, and red pilling them, or yellow pilling them in that way. Yeah, no, I, I love that idea. Well, it's like, you know, it, I wanted, the reason I wanted to continue the conversation about psychedelics through this cognitive liberty concept is because any way we can jumpstart people's minds into uh, looking at world, in the world in a different way. You know, we talk about the ways mushrooms can interact with people's brains to open up new conduits, to let them see and create new neural pathways. That's what I think we need, you know, like, and again, every, I, I asked you guys for concrete examples, which is what you gave me. Just knowing that I was going to go off topic and, and talk about this bullshit. So, but you know, like when you think about the legalization of these drugs, if you have people give an opportunity to, to open up your mind, look at the world in a different way. Okay. So now you, you're able to take these, uh, these psychedelics. Maybe you start to question what you're being fed, you know, cause we see the government's feeding you propaganda. The media is feeding you propaganda. We live in a world as Mike was talking about where, you know, you see people not interact as well in a, on an interpersonal level. And, you know, we all see this, you see, if you say Trump in a room, it's like a fucking knife fight breaks out. And, you know, I just want people to start breaking out of that shell and start looking at the world in a new and different way. And I feel like you need something, you know, I think we're past the point of no return where it's hard to do that with a simple conversation. You know, you, the development thing and the permitting thing is a great way to do it, by the way, in a real world situation, because holy shit, like I have one client that's a libertarian who has gone through two years of hell 
paying rent, renovating a building, going through. And in LA, it's worse than you could ever imagine. It's got to be an environmental impact. And this, and it's right. like fucking two years of permits and bullshit. And you wait a month between every fucking appointment. So that's a great way to do it. But in general, that's why I just think if, I mean, God, if we can just get this shit passed where people actually start contemplating their own existence, who they are, what is influencing their lives and start to question what the role government plays, what role outside influences play, who they are and who they should be talking to. They, that they, I mean, it's hard for me to think of anything more um, indicative of, of finding personal liberty than yeah. the legalization of all these drugs. Well, that's a, that's a great point you bring up, Brian, because I, I had this guy, Lorenzo Haggerty, who hosts this show, The Psychedelic Salon, um, uh, and it's a podcast, and he's uh, 76 years old. He, used, he, he said on the show, he was a Republican, Christian, Texas lawyer. Damn. So he never, he I never a movie won- made, made with him with Kevin Costner <laughs> on Netflix recently. He shot a guy in the head. right well he 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 took mdma for the first time when he was 42 mdma in the 1980s was legal he told me he never would have taken it if it wasn't legal right so i think the importance of getting these things above ground is to give people the choice say hey look you guys everybody's free to choose and, you know, human beings have been partaking in ceremonial and ritualistic things, whether it be religion like church or synagogue or something like that, um, you know, meditation, spirituality, ayahuasca circle, whatever it is. We need something that gets us out of the daily doldrums of the mechanical yeah. world that we all have to exist in so we can pay our rent and, you know, eat food and things like that. We need something like that. And I think that to me, I think psychedelics can be that thing as long as we can respect the individual's rights to choose for themselves what they think is um is best for them and not only that man but it's also it's a shared experience when I mean, you're talking about ayahuasca and these like ritual things right so it's a shared experience. Sure, yeah like a church communal, too yeah, yeah it's a, it's kind of it is like church and it's a shared communal experience but also when you're on that kind of mental uh trip you have something that's always like your shared reference that now you go forward you're like you feel connected and bonded to people in, in a different way and, you know, I remember I was talking to a buddy of mine. I do public relations for a living. I don't know if you guys know that. Uh, he was working over at uh, PAX, which is one of the biggest um, yeah. you know, weed pod manufacturers, vape, vape uh, weed pods. And I told him I had this idea for a concept. I said, you know, I think we, we should really try to push to break through uh, and, and separate from just being like, ah, yeah, it's something that potheads do and whatever. And, you know. I said, you know, the concept I think you should really – pushed through there and I didn't end up getting the account because uh, the guy was an idiot who ran the company but the concept was this communal effort of like okay what what brings people together from different cultures right now we got fucking terrorists in the Middle East and people that hate us in the Middle East and we got us over here and the fucking Christmas people coming together to smoke right Every, you know, and even though it's looked down upon, I said, you know, sharing, a, coming together, sharing a hookah, sharing a pack, sharing a whatever, getting together, sitting down, communing on sharing that experience and I think that that's something that can bond people together because you can put your differences aside. You can have a discussion because it's in the context of a relaxed, shared experience. And it's the same thing with like using these drugs is you have that moving forward. You have more of an opportunity to connect and share and, and move on forward together rather than, okay, this is illegal. You're a bad person. I'm a good person because I didn't do it because this delineating line, which the fucking government set, which is just arbitrary bullshit. 
Yeah, th- this is what everybody wants. Everybody wants connection and community. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to be a part of something with like-minded, like-hearted people. Robert Nisbet wrote a great book from 1954, a classic conservative uh, piece, but really great for anybody to read called The Quest for Community. And he talks about one of the main you know, points of the book is that government intervention and government uh, overreach has been so big, government's gotten so big that it de- it doesn't incentivize people to voluntarily associate with each other as right. much because they just yep. think, ah, the government will do it. Yep. Really, people want to get together. They want to do these things. You know, people want to get together and go go shooting. You know, it's fun. You know, it's like, yeah. why, you know, like we want to have guns. Like, let's do it. We, we should be able to protect ourselves. You know, uh, these these things should happen. But uh, obviously, we have this Leviathan state that wants to, you know, stomp on everybody's individuality and, and make everybody conform to this fucking blob of, of crap. <laughs> I just hope that when we, the more we decriminalize, the more the more politicians get stoned. You know, and go on trips. Honestly, literally or figuratively? Literally, literally, because because then with, what, with, with what bricks. What's that? With bricks and. Bricks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but go on go on their own trips because then you know it. What if they? What if they? It opens their eyes and they start and yeah. they actually have kind of have some self reflection and go like, "Wow, I'm a piece of shit." Maybe yeah. I should maybe I should stop being a piece of shit. And that would be that would be beautiful. I doubt that'll happen though, because I think they know that they're already pieces of shit. I, yeah. I'm convinced that ninety percent, maybe so? maybe a few of them don't, but I think most of them are already know their shit. Although I do like the idea of like you know I like like Rand Paul went on the Daily Show and drank uh, whiskey, getting drunk one time, which was fun to watch. I yeah, more politicians being open about like, hey, these are my enjoyments, these are my vices, vices, quote unquote vices. I mean, be a human being. Don't be a fucking yeah. robot. Oh my god! Yeah, public, and then and then jerking off a, a you know a male prostitute <laughs> in the bathroom. Yeah, right. right. Do it. We're public. talking to you, Lindsey Graham. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about you. No, Brian, you, you're absolutely right. And this is this is this really deep seated, like puritanical, yeah. you know, like uh, strain that's in American culture. Which and, is and like, I will say, we we ta- we applaud the founding fathers for doing for sure. making great country but they were puritanical motherfuckers don't get me wrong yeah look everybody's <laughs> flawed you know people have great <laughs> yeah. ideas you know so yeah they, so they own people whatever you know they didn't like it <laughs> no they didn't like they hated it you know but no i mean look everybody's flawed and, and everybody's a victim of their time or maybe victim's not the word but everybody has to conform to the conditions of their time you know it's really really difficult as you all know being a libertarian going against social norms and more you know it's like every time someone brings something up you have to say well actually you know and that's you know people move away from you at parties sometimes (laughs) you know but but yeah it's 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 a it's a big important thing and i think that um you know, I, I think I lost track of what I was saying, but this IPA is treating That's me well. That's all right, man. This is a, this is a, it's an LALDL episode. The whole point is to go off track and interrupt each other. And nice. Just, all right, great. Um, so, uh, but, but you know, it's a good, uh, a good segue into going into some of these other topics. So, you know, we've got, we're talking about cognitive liberty. We're talking about, um, you know, just moving on and people kind of admitting and, and, and seeing the life in a different way. So, First things first, shocked to see this because I Meryl Streep is one of the most progressive, outspoken, uh, annoying people in Hollywood. But very recently, she slammed, quote unquote, the term toxic masculinity and said women can be pretty fucking toxic. 
And uh, this was in the context of a, uh, a show she was doing, or I, I guess a panel about a new show about it was all women. I think it's like coming out on Netflix or HBO. I don't know. I don't know. You know, chick shows. Eh. But, uh, <laughs> but some guy, you know, a man in the crowd asked her a question and said, I really like the show. And she said, oh, this is great, you know. And use that as a springboard to say toxic masculinity is not a thing we should harp on. And I wonder, is this an example of cognitive liberty uh, from Meryl Streep, who to this point I thought was a brainwashed uh, idiot? And, um, or is it just that she's always thought this way, but we're talking about bowing to social norms? Has she, to this point, bowed to social norms because she's in Hollywood, she has a lot of money to lose by going against the progressive machine, and is she now to the point where she's like, I've got to be 65 years old. I have more money than fucking God. I don't give a flying fuck anymore. Here's what I really think. So where, where do you guys fall on that? I'll go, oh, Lance, Lance first. I'll, I'll point downward on my screen. Lance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's a good question. I, 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 think, I think when you become, is she 65? I no, I made that up. She's got to. She's got to. Ask your wife. She has got to be. Ask your wife. When she becomes sixty-five, yeah, you can finally say what's on your mind, regardless of whatever, and you have all the money in the world. That's it. Cut and dry for me. She's just old enough. She's rich enough. She can finally say what's on her mind. So you you think that she all this time? You think that she has been a little bit more along the lines of like? Because I wonder how many people in Hollywood. You know, there's a lot of very progressive assholes here who really believe this shit uh, full bore. But I do wonder how many people are like, you know, the Kurt Russells of the world, my personal yeah. hero, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, Amazing. yeah. Amazing. Amazing, Mike. <laughs> We're going to watch that together sometime. Um, nice. Yeah, but I wonder how many people are just are hiding this shit down deep and they just, they oh, are so like, I didn't have much to lose. Yeah. There's going to be a lot. Do you listen to Shapiro? Do you listen to Ben Shapiro at all? I listen to Ben Shapiro I, daily. I admit, his voice is too fucking annoying. I like him. He's good. <laughs> He, 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 he's don't care. Let me tell you about this. Uh, people are anti-Semitic in general. They hate people. I, just, I can't. I can't deal with it. I'm sorry, sir. You interrupted me, sir. You interrupted me. So if you want me to talk, I'll talk in a minute. But I'm going to school you about some facts. I want to get him on an LALDL just to see him, his head explode. Being I like his ideas. He wrote a book about, I think, Hollywood and TV and yeah. things like this. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, okay. Go ahead, Lance. Go ahead. He's got some no, he, 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 claims, he claims there's a ton of closet, you know, conservative liberty type of people that just, uh, they just conform because they need the, they, everybody's got to eat. What are they going to do? You know, they like right. I general. believe it, man. I mean, I, I think there's a lot, well, number one, there's a lot of nepotism. So a lot of the people that are ultra progressive asshats you see out here are uh, just children of Hollywood nepotism that have been born and raised here. And then the only reason they're famous is because they're Steven Spielberg's niece, you know, like when it felt yeah. they're puppets. Um, yeah, they're puppets, but there are enough people that come from, you know, they're like hometown stock, you know, they're uh, born and bred in West Kentucky and they come out here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's, there's people out here. So I, I do wonder if that's the case. Um, and Mike, you, you, you agree that she's always, is she hidden this away or has she just been woken? I can't believe I'm defending Meryl Streep, but, uh, (laughs) you know, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, if, if that's what she said, I mean, yeah, I agree with her. Sure. I mean, there's, of course we, you know, women have somehow convinced everybody that they're a minority. Yeah, you know, which they are not, definitively not. They're oppressed and yeah. this whole thing. Yeah. And everybody just agrees with them because they want to fuck them. You know, I mean, that's, that's, what, <laughs> that's, true. that's what Bill Burr has said. So that's not my original thought. But, <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, that's the truth. And then, you know, guys that will deny that will be like, you know, that we call it, what do we call it? The white knighting, right? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, just- oh not, not me. I, would, I never heard such talk in my life. 
but yeah, I mean, you know, toxic humanity, man. I mean, everybody's got whatever. I mean, I know the, tar- the term toxic masculinity is very really weighted, you know, thing, but everybody's got their flaws. Every- everybody's got their problems. So, you know, yeah. yeah exactly women- right. I mean, it's like you look at it, toxic masculinity. I guess I can argue, look, Jersey Shore. I'll give that example of, of toxic masculinity. And I, I'm okay with that. Even but the women I'm- on that show too. Ooh. Toxic just, femininity, dumb, exactly. Actually, just dumb Italian people. Yeah. We need <laughs> I I reject my own people. <laughs> no, exactly, man. It's just you know, there's certain people that are assholes. Actually, here's a perfect segue into the next topic. Uh, there's per- certain people that are in a culture, and it's not necessarily the person on the person by basis because we we're talking about social norms uh, acting a certain way within a certain society or culture. There are certain cultures, and I do agree with. Uh, the next topic I'm going to talk about. Look, I will say definitively, there are some cultures that are better than other cultures. Full stop. There are some that are better, period. Just like anything else in fucking life, there's some ice cream flavors that I like better. Now, there's some things that are definitively better than others. I I think that we can look at history and say some cultures have done more things than other cultures and they've been better, let's say, than cultures that are for raping children on the norm. You know, the Greeks did a lot of great things, but they're gone now. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, I, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm off on a tangent. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the ancient uh, Greeks. Yeah. The ancient Greeks did like to rape kids, but uh, some cultures better than others. Things that we agree with more. And granted, we are symptoms of our own time, as Mike said earlier. We all live in our own time, so maybe things will change in in general. But John Cleese, comedic royalty, uh, one of my favorite people on the face of the earth. And actually, I've done comedy with his daughter several times. Who's a very nice girl, but. He agrees with the statement that some cultures are better than others. And he uh, had a statement earlier that he doubled down on, uh, basically saying that there's an issue with London. He said London is no longer full of Londoners, essentially saying that they had so much immigration, whether that be uh, forced immigration or legal immigration or illegal immigration. I don't really know. But he said that when he walks through the streets of London, he no longer sees Londoners. He sees a different culture. And he's not trying to be racist here by saying it's white or black, but Londoners as a as a, a culture. So he got roundly criticized for this, as you would imagine, by the left. And he doubled down on it, which is why I love my man, John Cleese. And then he says, and I quote, I think this is from his Twitter feed. I think it's legitimate to refer one culture to another. For example, I prefer cultures that do not tolerate female genital, genital mutilation. I'm sure he chose that culture specifically because he knows that the left can't, can't come back at him for talking about female genital mutilation. But he's just saying, you know, this will be considered racist. But, uh, you know, he, in general, he's just saying there is something to be said for a changing culture and, and the impact that does have on a society when that culture is, is renowned for doing good things. And, it, you know, is it a problem in your gentleman's opinion? Should we defend culture? Should we adopt a culture uh, having influence? Or should we wholly accept that cultures are immaterial things, that they are like the tides, like the sands on the dunes, they are always changing, and you cannot pinpoint a culture into a certain thing? <sighs> I don't want to defend any, I, I just like whatever happened to freedom association. And then the opposite of that freedom of disassociation, like why can't we freely openly say, I don't want to associate with these people because they're horrible. Right. And then, you know, therefore I'm going to live in, you know, wherever I live and my gated community or stuff like that. I, I, I see no problem with that. I just think everybody, I'm so tired of the woke culture where we have to, everybody's got to be equal. There is no hierarchy. 
and you know, that's that's that leads to socialism and then the communism. It's just it just just Marxism is just permeates everywhere right now, and I hate it. It is prominent, Mikey Mike, Mikey Spots. Well, as I well, called you earlier, I don't know what the spots refer to. <laughs> <at> herpes. <laughs> I don't know how you know. I mean, I never disclosed that. I guess I just look like a herpy guy. You were walking around your apartment before you knew the video was on. Oh, yeah. Before the pants came on. Because you, had, you unlike a weekday, you had gone to the, uh, the right. weed store down the block without pants on. That's, that's right. Yeah. And I had to put a soldering iron to my general herpes. No, I don't have herpes. <laughs> a soldering iron in a sock. That's how Mike actually <laughs> <Kelly> goes out. <laughs> Clean individual folks here. Um, I, I agree with uh, John Cleese. And- and, um, you know, I think that, uh, look, I mean, people always make, you know, the argument that, oh, well, you know, look, socialism works and inclusivity and all this stuff is great. I mean, let's look at, you know, the Nordic countries, right? Like they, they get along and they have all these social programs. Well, yeah, they're largely culturally and racially homogenous. Exactly. I mean, it's we, human beings are tribal people. Yes, we can learn how to get along with other people. I lived in New York City for eight years. You know, the I got in a cab, the guy's driving Muslim. I go to the bodega, you know, it's a Chinese guy there, whatever. Everybody has, their, it's, it's just free voluntary association. If you can respect people's choices for free voluntary association, develop whatever culture you want, but don't force something upon me. Don't force Thing upon anybody else. This is how human beings are. We like to be around people that look like us, that sound like us, that think like us, yep. that feel the way that we feel. So that's just the way things are. And to try and make it otherwise is insane. Well, this is where we need secession badly. Yes. Why we absolutely yeah. need decentralization and secession. Yes. And that's why I love what, what, what's happening in, with the Brexit movement. Yes. I, oh, totally. totally. Oh, wait, wait. Can I, can I pause you right there? Yeah. Because I want to make a, I want to make another, not a counterpoint. I want to make another point to Mike's uh, statement, and then I want to move on to Brexit and John fucking Elton, Elton John, not John Elton, <laughs> John Elton. <laughs> <laughs> that's your, that's your alter ego, right? <laughs> yeah, that's me. That's me at the rest stops. <laughs> um, no, so one, one quick thing. So we're talking about Sweden and and, and voluntary association versus forced. Um, Sweden, especially, you look at right now, there is a crisis in Sweden, like a huge crisis. Because they had forced immigration where they brought in all of these different people. They have no-go zones where rapes and crimes are high. They have uh, a, a, just an epidemic of rape. I mean, it is unbelievable. And, 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 of course, the media don't want to report on it because it's negative news about progressive ideals. But like you guys are saying, there is something to say. And I'm not saying that this is ideal, but like we were talking about earlier, shared cultural experience. When you have a society that is born and has gone through shared cultural norms, uh, whether that be religion or psychedelics or going to the pub and fucking drinking, it doesn't matter what it is. You have shared experiences. You have shared norms. When you forcibly insert a population group into that, that number one does not assimilate or want to assimilate. And number two is it's done in such a, a fast fashion where it's almost impossible for them to assimilate. It's you've created an impossible situation from a human perspective, impossible. And that's what's happening throughout, uh, the Icelandic nations. That's what's happening sometimes here, even in America, where, you know, if it's not done organically, it's difficult for a culture to adjust. And you end up having two cultures go basically warring with each other. And the outcome of that is usually never good. 
Huh. Almost, almost seems like it's uh, intentional, maybe. It, I don't know. it does I don't seem know who almost could, intentional. I don't know who it could benefit, who possibly uh, could benefit. I wonder. But, okay, no. sorry, Lance, I cut you off. And I cut you off for a reason. And the reason is because I want to talk about this next story. And the next story is that Elton John has come out. And, of course, he's getting all the attention because he's got the, a new uh, bio coming out, bio flick coming out. He comes out and he has at a concert and he slammed Brexit. And he says, I'm a European. I am not a stupid colonial imperialist, imperialist English idiot. So, number one, I would like to say he is a stupid colonial imperialist English <laughs> idiot because he would not be where he was enjoying the fucking uh, celebrity he has, if not for that whole history that they went through. But... Lance, I'll, I'll leave it to you. Uh, Elton John feels that uh, he is beyond his country. Uh, he is not a stupid <laughs> person for objecting to Brexit. So uh, I'll let you counterpoint, Elton John. Sir, sir, sir. Oh, wait, wait. The guy's a fucking knight of England. <laughs> Take away his knighthood. No more knight for you. No more knight for you. Sir Elton John, isn't he? He's knighted and everything, right? Yeah, he's a fucking knight of England, this piece of shit. And he's like, I'm not. God, what a dickhead. I just realized that right now. Sorry, I'm yelling him right now. You are you shithole. Anyway, God. What a piece of shit. I, I, why, do we, why do we give a shit about what these uh, what any celebrity says, right? It's just because they have a huge following and then the progressive media blows it up. I don't know. I get really tired of it. But my, my stance is actually pretty interesting because uh, – so I'm, I'm actually a federally registered – We'll be the judge of that. Thank you, Lance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Native American. Uh, like, I, like I have a card and everything, right? And there were some benefits when I was growing up and all that other stuff. I've always been really happy that we were colonized because I like iPhones. I like clean water. <laughs> I like all the technology. We're on a Zoom meeting right now. <laughs> wouldn't happen without these without these white pilgrims. So thank you for your service, Brian. You are welcome, Blance. <laughs> Wait, is Psycho a Native American name? No, not at all. Not at all. That's a whole other story for a different podcast. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I look forward to hearing it. But okay. So so but you were going. You were talking about Brexit, though. I don't want to cut you off. You were talking about Brexit. I want to hear more of what you had to say about Brexit and why Brexit's a good thing. Because I'm sure I agree with you 100. percent uh, but I, I cut you off first, so I want you to finish. Brexit is decentralization, right? I mean, they're breaking off from this stupid European Union. <laughs> I think they should be independent countries, uh, even though, the, you know, there's a couple of bad things about that, right? Nationalism, right? Uh, the Nazis were part of nationalism, national, nationalized socialism. True. So, so there, there's, always a, there's always like a double-edged sword with all these movements. And that's been like the critical, that's the, how it's been criticized by the progressives, is that, wow, look at all this uh, nationalism that's happened. And then... Um, who is the who is the lady from? What is it? France? No, no, Germany. Who 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 just? Got oh, Merkel. 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 Yeah, so she got elected, and they were claiming that was also an issue. Right? It's like, oh, the rise of nationalism. I don't know. It was France actually. It was it was Mark. It was uh, oh, uh, Marie, Marie Le Pen. Yep, Marie Le Pen. Yep. So she's supposedly the Trump version of France, right? But I like it because I think I th I really think we've expanded too far. We've tried to have this homogenous thing. I would love to see the UN dissolved. I would love to see the European oh, yeah. Union dissolved. I would love to see the United States dissolve into, into just little tiny countries. And then we do our own thing. And then, I mean, down to the individual, like I'm my own country at the end of the day. Let's just, well, let's just get to that level. Well, you know, it's, what's, what's so surprising to me is these people don't seem to see the big picture of it. They, they decry it as racism and uh, rejection of socialism or whatever else. But look, 
it's you've got a government organization which you cannot vote on which oversees regulations that impact every single person in your country and which has a bloated budget which is not available to you to easily see why would anybody not oppose that i mean it just it, it just it seems like the most rational thing in the world well they're like, stupid imperialist colonialists yeah. <laughs> i mean look you know and 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 you know to to Lance's point uh you know obviously I, again maybe the theme of this episode is you are maybe that's what we'll title this episode uh you know the LALDL Mike Brancatelli and Lance uh, psycho colon you are a product of your time but we talk about these people shitting on, I'm not a colonialist, imperialist. Okay, uh, you're talking about 200 years ago, jackass. 200 years ago. Now, everybody was colonialist then. Every nation, all of the people in your European Union were colonialist, imperialist bastards. They all were. They all were expanding because they had the technology to do so. They expanded to the United States. They expanded and colonized Africa. They expanded and all these different places. Because they were a product of their time. That's what you did. You expanded. You found new places. You conquered the, the tribes that had less technology than you. I'm sorry, those tribes. That was the way it was. And that's why I object to, like, you know, we were talking about, we referenced slavery earlier. And, and uh, not, to, not to excuse slavery in any, in any way, shape, or form, by the way. But when we look at slavery, we had people crossing the seas to trade they didn't conquer and enslave people like, uh, let's per se, uh, take up like Muslims, enslaved Christians here. But they traded with the African countries, brought back the slaves that they conquered themselves and sold to the colonialists. So you had this, this whole fucking world in which slavery was something everyone did. Everyone did. Not just the United States. Everyone did it. You had a world in which conquering people by force was what you did. You had a constant state of war. It's what you did. Now, thank fucking God, we are in a different time. So why do we dwell upon these things? Why do we dwell upon what happened in the past and use it as some sort of cudgel to beat people of the present when we have issues now that need to be dealt with, which is, like we are saying, the abdication of personal responsibility, attacks on personal liberty, uh, a socializing of, uh, of, of government, when we look at governments that committed all these atrocities, now I'm really drunk, can you tell? We look at governments, <laughs> that committed, governments committed all these atrocities under the colonial systems, which these people hate, the systems that created slavery, the systems that created uh, you know, surfing. And now we're like, okay, we've evolved past that. Shame on the past. But you know what? Sounds great. One big fucking government. To, well, to take it all yeah. over, to make us all into tax cattle, like it just—it's fucking so stupid. I mean, I mean, just to bring, uh, circle back around to the psychedelic experience, it, we're afraid to really be honest with ourselves. You know, it's like we're afraid to really be honest with uh, with how things are and how they can be. You know, it's like, oh, we don't, you know, we we must shame that, must you know, just denounce it. But it's like, look. The better part of doing that is in psychedelics, what they call it is integration, right? And, you know, Carl Jung wrote about this as integrating shadow, you know, the darkest parts of you. I think as a society, as a, as a collective humanity, you know, human species, we, we got some dark shit that we've done. So let's, instead of denying it and shaming it, just own up to it. Be like, yeah, human beings are fucked up creatures. We, we, we definitely want to like, you know, 
control, take over, slaughter people, sell people into slavery. But maybe that's not the most efficient and smartest way to do things. Now we actually can think a little bit clearer because we can learn from the past, but we don't seem to learn from the past. We seem to shame and neglect and hide the past and try and create some kind of bullshit fantasy future based on some bullshit fantasy past. That's that's my fear about, and this is my fear about ripping down some of the colonial monuments, uh, or not colonial, sorry, the um, the monuments from the Civil War. Because right. I was like, okay, so we had this, you had the, uh, a sect of the populace, including Lincoln, by the way, who was uh, for slavery. He only was against slavery when it became politically un, un, uh, popular and uh, was going to impact his ability to win the war. But anyway, you have these monuments to a certain time period and people say we should tear them down because we don't want to be reminded of those times. And those were horrible times. How are you going to learn from those times? If you erase all evidence of the times, you need to keep them up specifically to remind yourself, you know, like it, look, I work with a, a Holocaust organization, um, anti-genocide organization right now for, for my work. Right? Yeah. I just want to come out and say, I'm also anti-genocide. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you Mike. <laughs> you're so brave, Mike. Thank you, Mike. You're a great guy. Thing I can so, say. But, no, but the point is like, you know, I, you know, the, these people and, and, you know, one of the Holocaust catchphrases, catchphrases, can I make it sound any less relevant? Jesus. One of the anti-Holocaust uh, branding phrases is, you know, never again, never again, right? No more Holocaust. Great. If you're not reminded of what happened, how can you say never again? Because it gets erased by the sands of time. I mean, Jesus Christ, look at all the things that have been erased that we've forgotten about. We're already forgetting about 10 million people killed under socials and our communism. We're already forgetting about that. The people graduated college now have no idea. They don't know. So if we don't remember what happened with slavery in the Civil War, and granted, people reference slavery uh, you know, still nonstop, but you need to have those indicators, those monuments to progress to this is a past we need to remember but regret right and if you don't have that it's like even in your personal life right if you look at your own past and you black out all the shit you did that sucked you're gonna think you're a fucking great person and move forward as though nothing happened as though you don't need to change you need self-reflection and like, yeah and you'll repeat the mistakes that you made because you're yes. ignorant to them yeah you're gonna have a thaddeus russell trip on mushrooms and be like fuck i've been <laughs> blacking out a lot of shit i regret to bring it full circle guys you see how this yeah. is why i'm hosting this yeah. show good callback good callback so to bring it full circle we as a culture need to be uh open to looking the past in the face and not glossing it over and not printing it up and not making it seem like, uh, okay, this is a, this is a shameful thing that happened, but it was just us. And we moved past it. No, it was a thing that existed everywhere. And we need to look it in the fucking face and identify why it happened and, and see where we are right now and move forward as a society. And obviously as a society, the best way to move forward is libertarianism. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> look at the way that worked out. <laughs> Well, that's this is that's literally why I want I want Bernie to go against Trump. I want Bernie to get the nomination because I want Middle America to face communism. I want just the average Democrat to to realize yeah. you you will you could possibly elect a communist, and I want Trump to go up there and slap him uh, verbally, 
and, 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 and literally call him out as a communist because I think Trump is the only one that has the balls to do it. He has nothing to lose. That guy's not, he's, you know, he's very wealthy. He's after he, after he's presidency, he's going to be even more wealthy. He's yeah. got nothing to lose. He'll go up there and slap Bernie silly. It's good. If Bernie doesn't get the nomination, I will be so sad. If it is just stupid Biden and Bernie, we're not going to face that reality of like, I, I we are Biden. one generation away from communism. Biden's going to get it. Bernie's I don't gonna understand. How the hell people could be attracted to communism or socialism? Have you been to the DMV? Have you been to the post office? Do you want your life to look like that? Because that's what it'll look like. It's like, come on. Man, there's and it just the way I always counter, like, especially like socialized medicine, is I just point to the UK, right? Because the UK, it's the craziest thing, man. If you look at the UK, you ask people in the UK, they go, What are you most proud about as a as an Englishman? And they go, our healthcare system. And I swear to God, they've done polls about this, our healthcare system. And you look at cancer survival rates in the UK compared to the United States. It's like 75% different. It's a, I mean, it is, it takes your breath away. These people are literally being killed by their government because the United States, because we have the option of just going private and doing it all our own way. Even you rack up that debt, your cancer survival rates are so much higher. And that's the biggest threat to, to anybody right now. Yeah. So socialism, for idiots. Uh, get, gentlemen, you guys have been very kind with your time. I know it's uh, getting late. Was it 9, 9.30 in Denver? 8.30. Uh, 8.30. Oh, it's, oh, it's early. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a bonus show after this. Sure. I will. Yeah? Yeah, Mike, you in? I got time, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're doing a bonus show, baby. All right, but that's only for our pride members, you, you chumps. So, guys, uh, let me just thank Let me wrap this show up. Let me thank Lance Psycho for joining us here. Uh, both of you guys are in Denver. You should have, I wish I'd gotten together in a pub. It'd been great. You could have been yelling over the crowd together as one. But no, Lance, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, great to talk to you, my friend. You've been a longtime supporter of the show. Really appreciate that. And uh, the work you are doing in Denver is laudable and uh, inspirational. So thank you for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Brian. It was awesome. And Mike, hey, you were here too. <laughs> i was i was <laughs> no mike you're, you're but again guys make sure to listen to mike adelic podcast you can go to mikebrank.com uh of course mike uh you've been a a man who's people may remember you from the dave smith uh, part of the problem which you're on for a while but uh i think more impressive as your own man <laughs> well thank you very much yeah <laughs> I still get compliments to this day for part of the problem. It was a great run and, uh, you know, I left to do my own thing. So yeah, check out Mike Adelic. Cognitive Liberty is what we're focused on. So Cognitive Liberty, baby. I guess I love that concept. And yeah, man, no, you were, you were great at part of the problem. And, uh, I've, uh, I lost my train of thought. Well, anyway, <laughs> from Brian McWilliams, from Mike Brancatelli, from Lance Psycho. Thank you guys. This has been Electric Liberty Land. Of course, a reminder to always listen to Lions of Liberty. We have three shows. Mark Claire on Mondays with in-depth interviews with leaders of the libertarian movement. Me on Wednesdays with Electric Liberty Land. John Odie Matt on Fridays with Felony Friday. So from me, from these gents, from the Lions of Liberty, and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into Liberty. <laughs>